2: Hello, once again, and welcome to the Match Day podcast, the Gagan Pod. It's great to have you with us. Simon Hill and Heather Gariok are alongside me. Hello, H. Hello, Rich. <laughs> you're very excitable because uh, you were definitely going for RB Leipzig, even though you're completely impartial on the panel, of course, on Optus Sport. Uh, I, I sense that you enjoyed the fact that they're through to the final four.
1: Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. It was, it was a tough match, but um, Atletico, you'd expect with the talent that they've got, they'd really go for it, and, and they were the favourite. Um, but in saying that, just the way Leipzig played, uh, just the build-up play and, and, and their patience in possession, it, it was just lovely. They used their, their wing-backs to get forward and they did that on, on so many different occasions to, just to create overloads. And for Atletico in the first half, they were overloading the, the box and um, Leipzig were trying to get balls into the box with um, little or no, no end product. Um, but come that second half and once the injection of, of a goal happened with Leipzig, it, it really made the, made the game really exciting.
2: And as a story, it's fantastic as well. Whether or not Simon, you respect RB Leipzig and their history, I guess we'll, you know, that's part of the debate. But we'll park that for a moment. Actually, Heather said at one point that she was reminded of Pep Guardiola and Manchester City. That's heresy for you, surely? What in terms of the way they played? Yeah,
3: yeah. Well, no, that's uh, that's a compliment. Yeah, uh, even, I think City <laughs> fans will cop that. Mm. Look, I, I'd echoed uh, HS thoughts. I thought they they're a very elegant team to watch. Um, they did lack like a bit of a cutting edge, particularly in that first half. That's understandable given they've lost their, you know, their main man. But I love the the fact that they've got a, a playmaker like Kevin Campbell, who's just so graceful on the ball, two footed, twists, turns, you know, finds little passing lanes. Thought he's he was terrific. Loved Upper uh, Upamecano. Uh, injecting himself into midfield or even attack on occasion. Uh, I love the, the fluid nature of the way they play. And yes, there's, there's an ugliness to how they came about as, as a football team, and I get that. Um, but it's, I think it's intriguing. We're, we're almost seeing a, a shift, aren't we, in terms of the semi finalist, old football to new football, Paris Saint-Germain backed by Qatari money. Uh, RB Leip- Leipzig backed by Red Bull, Manchester City potentially in there if if they defeat Leon, you know backed by Emirati money. I saw a, a quotes on social media today saying Bayern Munich have got to save football. <laughs> well, do, here's here's, a, here's another question: Do we want the same teams winning the, sa- the same trophies every single year, or or for the neutral, is it more interesting to have an RB Leipzig, a Paris Saint Germain, a Manchester City, a Chelsea, rather than just Bayern Munich? Real Madrid, Barcelona, Liverpool, Man United. Well, absolutely.
2: And if they're playing good football as yeah. well, that people can come in and absolutely. enjoy. Oh, I like the way this Leipzig side plays. Maybe just ignore the other part of it. You know, this is a new team that can come in and win a huge piece of silverware, quite literally. Uh, Mark Schwartzer joins us. He's uh, all the way uh, from Lisbon. Mark, we spoke to you after the first game, the first quarter final, where you'd watched it from a bar. This one, you were inside the stadium. Um, how much more enjoyable was that for you?
4: Well, it goes without saying. Obviously, a lot more enjoyable. Of course, you know when you're there, and the bigger things, um, it, it uh, gives you obviously a, a first hand perspective. Um, you know, we're quite high up in the stands, so you get a nice overview of uh, tactics and, and the way teams are set up. Um, and, and again, listening to you guys there talk, uh, you know, the, the, I thought it was a really good game to watch, entertaining, particularly the way I'll be, to be played. And I was impressed. And, and I, for one, didn't. I thought Atletico Madrid would go through. I didn't think I would would pull it off. However, they thoroughly deserved it. I'm very, very impressed with
3: them. Schwartz, sure, I so just want to ask you a question about Atletico Madrid. In your opinion, you look at the quality that they've got in their squads: Diego Costa, Alvaro Morata, Joao Felix, who came on, terrific player, international cocaine all over the all over the pitch. A squad packed full of talent, and yet they play in this. Very conservative way. Obviously, it's brought them a lot of success uh, over many years. But do you think they're at a point where, for for their development as a club, they need to move away from that, and maybe part ways with Simeone? He's been there nine years.
4: Yeah, he has. He's been there for a long time. And I think this season alone, I think it's the first time since he's been in the club that there were was, was some sort of the rumblings about him potentially moving on. People. You know, fans almost starting to turn a little bit um, because they started the season really poorly. Joel Felix came in and they spent a lot lot of money for him. He struggled to settle at the beginning. They lost quite a few plays. Obviously, Griezmann moved on. Um, So there were a lot of question marks being raised. The performances on the pitch weren't very, very good. Then all of a sudden, the turning point really came with that win against Liverpool. Uh, Against kind of lower of the odds, that was that, that siege mentality. It was a digging in. In the trenches, it was fighting, it was it was winning games that they've kind of done in the past against top-notch opposition because they've got that quality to, to hurt teams. So um, there, there is an argument to say, you know, listen, against the big teams, they can do that. Against the, the lesser teams, that a team like RB Leipzig, we would expect a lot more from And I agree with you, you know, in terms of they should have taken the game more late, they, they chose not to. And that's kind of understandable in a lot of ways because that's what the AS US is used to and that's what's brought in success in the past. And that then does open the question. Is it time then to move on? I don't know. I mean, you're a brave man, I think, if you're the president of, uh, let's go Madrid to decide that Diego said only his time is up at the club, um, because he's just got such a, a statue amongst all the fans and, 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 and the players.
2: Heather, I wonder what the impact, I asked you this in the pregame show, whether not having anyone in the stands would make an impact, maybe on Atletico Madrid more so, because of the way that Simeone kind of motivates his team. They've used the crowd, particularly at home, obviously, in the past as a motivating factor, playing in an empty stadium. And we'll get Mark's thoughts shortly on this. But from a footballing perspective, surely that there's a potential that that actually helped RB Leipzig in this one as well.
1: Yeah, I said that before the game and I I really think that 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 really helped Leipzig and, and that went against Atletico. And um, a good example was when they had their first league against Liverpool with the fans in the stadium, the chanting, um, you know yourself when you're a footballer, um, when, a, when a ball goes in the back of the net or if you a goal, you know the crowd, you can hear the crowd and, and, and they lift you up and, and it's such a wonderful feeling and it's like that, that 12th man. So yeah, I think it, it really went against them and I thought that it, that could have played a, a really big part today and I really, I think it did. And had they had 80,000 80, fans in the stands um, at Letico, they could have went on um, with the a, with the um, extra I- injection of, of excitement and and whatnot. So yeah, I think it played a, a real part, and and probably Swartzie can can answer more, especially playing in the Champions League and how he feels in, in terms of fans and um, how they impact him.
4: Oh, listen, it makes all the difference. Having fans on the ground, it, it's it's. Uh, I mean, you can't even compare it. You know. Uh, uh, I, I played in games uh, behind closed doors when you're having friendlies, whether it's uh, you know, your, your first 11 against uh, a bunch of reserves or, or under-18 players, just to get sort of match practice a little bit uh, under your belt. Um, it's so hard at times to get motivated. These guys obviously are playing big games. That motivation has to come within that change room. And today was an example. Again, I thought that was very slow out of the traps. Uh, they looked a bit sluggish. They looked a bit flat. Whereas, whereas Leipzig, they just they just seemed right from the off to be in a rhythm. Um, and and like you're saying, Heather, I think fans will definitely and do definitely make a difference. They can almost jolt a team into a game if they've started, uh, started the game a little bit sluggishly. Um, and, and Leipzig didn't have that uh, that that, that uh, possibility today because of the fact there's no fans.
3: Schwartz, just interested in your opinion on this question. Um, before the Premier League resumed, there were some mischievous people, I might have been included in that number myself, that said, you know, if Liverpool win this Premier League title, there's an asterisk next to it because it's not happened in normal circumstances. Things have been a bit, a little bit different, play behind closed doors, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Should we say the same about the Champions League, given that, you know, this tournament is, it's going to be a one-off, you know, obviously no second legs for the quarterfinals, semifinals play behind closed doors in a neutral country. Is there going to be an asterisk next to the winners of this year's Champions League?
4: Uh, maybe, you know, like I mean, obviously it'll be, it'll be forever remembered for the uniqueness of it. I mean, who's to say this is going to be the only one. I mean, I hope it is. I hope it's the only time that this ever happened. Um, but, you know, listen, this may be a sign of things that may happen in the future. We just don't know. You know, we, Going back to the Liverpool title, I mean, I think it's ludicrous to anyone say that Liverpool have an asterisk against them. When they were 25 points clear, whatever it was before the pandemic, they totally deserve to win it and, and be, be champions, even if the, the season has been that halted there and then. And even if there had been an asterisk next to it, you still, all you have to do is look at the history books and go, actually, you know what? They were going to win it anyway, regardless. Um, but, you know, going back to the Champions League, you know, it is what it is. And teams are in it to try and win it under the circumstances, under the format that's provided in front of you. Whoever wins it will deserve to win it. Yeah, you can argue it's not the same format as in the past, but formats do change. Um, And whoever wins this will will deserve to win it.
2: Mark, I think looking at... um you know, it's not quite Champions League, but to bring my experience as a Leeds fan, 2001 Champions League semi finalist so there's the link. <laughs>
4: That's but, a shock. Yeah, exactly. That's just a shock. It's yeah. only
2: taken uh, 10 minutes, so I'm getting better at it. But um, what I found, though, when Leeds won the championship title was that if someone says, oh, it doesn't count, or there's an asterisk, or it's not real football, I don't care about that at all because we won it. But the thing that does get to you, I think, is that fans can't necessarily enjoy the moment as they would. It's not that outpouring of emotion, you know, storming onto the pitch you know celebrating in the streets legally I suppose or with players it's not being able to use that outlet and at the end of the day as you guys know H football is about that emotion and if you take that out of it what's the point
1: exactly and fans play such a huge role and and such a um huge thing especially when you're on the park and off the park it's about embracing and celebrating but that's typical from simon wanting to put an asterisk near the liverpool and for you rich mentioning leads only yeah. took you 15 minutes oh, or whatever w- we're highly
2: predictable here at Optus Sport, but um we'll continue to be so thank you for listening um mark <laughs> looking ahead to tomorrow obviously i mean wow what a, what a game this will be i wonder how you think RB Leipzig getting into the final four. Does it have any impact on, on Bayern Munich in a motivational sense? No, I don't think so. I mean, listen, Bayern
4: Bayern has been for me. I said a couple of weeks ago, and and people were like, you know, how can you say that? Like, I, I said Bayern were for me favourite the way that they were playing, the way they restarted after the COVID nineteen pandemic. Um, obviously, albeit no one else had sort of started uh, back at that stage, but Bayern were flying. And if you look at if you look at Robert, Robert Lewandowski, if you look at the way that Thomas Miller's played this year, um, it's just gotten better and better. Add the likes of Arbory, uh you know, Perisic, Kingsley Coman, the list goes on. I mean, it's, it, Neuer is getting back to his best. They, they just don't seem to have any weakness in their So When you look at Barcelona, it's messy against Bayern Munich. And I've just been speaking to a couple of people, Portuguese uh, reporters over here, they're saying the same thing. It's, it's messy against Barcelona. Um, and that's where it's going to come down to. For me, Bayern, their sights are to win the Champions League. They don't care who else is in the other side of the draw, who's on their side. They don't care. It's all it is is each, job, each game that's in front of them, and their biggest task, and it's a massive one, is Barcelona, but I believe they're uh, too much for Barcelona.
3: Um, Schwarz, just on, on Barca, if they were to lose the quarters, is that the end of the, the show for Kiki Satian? He seems to be under an awful lot of pressure for a man who's in the quarterfinals of the Champions League.
4: Yeah, listen, I think the only slight possible chance he has probably to keep his job is if he wins the Champions League. And even then, I don't think necessarily it's going to be enough. Um, (laughs) I just think there is such... I think it's just such an unrest at the club. I, I think there's so many people that are not happy about the way it's been run. I think players are not happy. I think there just seems to be a disconnect between the manager and the players. And that surely can't go on for much longer so i think they, i think he's going to you know, like you said an enormous amount of pressure but uh, and i think i think they'll get knocked out anyway so i think they'll get knocked out and they'll lose his
2: job pretty much straight away Roberto Di Matteo all over again uh, although he was a caretaker boss and i'm sure didn't deal with anywhere near as much drama at Chelsea as uh, Setien has had at barcelona but time will tell tomorrow morning mark we're looking forward to hearing from you thanks for joining us just very quickly what's on the menu tonight um uh, Saavedra, i assume
4: yeah, probably, yeah. I mean, this is, the thing is, with this whole COVID thing, a lot of places are closed. Even, like, I think most restaurants are closed by, by 11, 30, 12 o'clock, um, and all, all bars are closed at 8 o'clock at night. So... Um,
1: You have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Not a lot to do, mate. Um, And that's just
4: the way it is at the moment.
2: The heart bleeds for you, Mark (laughs) Schwarzer. Heart
4: bleeds.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh Well, thanks for your company. It's always nice to hear about how much you're enjoying life and how relaxed you are. We'll talk to you tomorrow. All the best. Thanks, guys. Cheers, Schwartzy. Thanks, Schwartzy. Just before we move on, I suppose, and we will preview uh, Barca Bayern a little bit later on in the pod. Dave Wiener will join us very shortly indeed. But uh, final thought, I suppose, on, on RB Leipzig. The enormity of the success, uh, Simon, will no doubt take up the pages in Leipzig for the next day or two. But beyond that, do you see a side that can win it? Because the match-up with M&PSG at face value seems really interesting because one side's all about the superstars and the other one's all about the unit. Yeah, it's a good question. Um I
3: don't so look. If you get to the last four of the Champions League, I think you've got every right to believe that you can win it. Um, you, you know, you've not got there by fluke, and they've just knocked out Atletico Madrid, who've been in that final on a couple of occasions. They've won three Europa League championships in the last uh, you know ten years, so they, they've got every right to believe that they've they've got a chance to win it. I, I think they've got a great young side. My question mark against them is: do they have enough firepower? They got through today, um, but they got a you know late deflected goal from from a substitute who's who's uh, a midfielder. Um, you know, first uh, I, I just wonder whether they there is a, a good enough striker there uh, without Timo Werner for them to win it. But they can quite easily prove me wrong. They have got some very very uh, easy on the eye players. I, I really enjoyed watching them today. So why not?
2: Are they your new favourite team, Heather?
1: Any team that's winning is my favourite team. You know that, Rich? Um, but, yeah, I, I think, uh, look, the captain, Poulsen. Uh, Did you not have a team
3: when you were growing up?
1: Yeah, Hearts, but I don't want to admit that in the Scottish League. Oh, so they've just been relegated. Tough at the moment. But that's just another yeah. story. Have <laughs>
3: you got Scottish blood? I never knew that.
1: Yeah, my dad's fully Scottish. Gary-ock. <laughs> <No, I don't laughs> fully Gary-ock. Yeah. No. That's where the fire from comes Edinburgh. from. Yeah, from Edinburgh. Right. Jeez, very that Scottish explains things. an awful lot, actually. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Heather, my favourite thing about the Women's World Cup coverage is that at various points, Heather pledged allegiance to every single side in the <laughs> tournament uh, through bloodline. So she's got a bit of everything, which is great.
1: <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Just Malta wasn't in it. My mum's Maltese as well. <laughs> <laughs> bit of French.
2: it's oh, great. We love you, H. Uh, all right, let's get Dave Weiner on the line, uh, our sports editor, Dave. Uh, just before we move on to the preview, uh, Dave, of tomorrow's match let's talk about Julian Nagelsmann for a moment 33 years of age and to me it seems like there have been a couple of maybe sliding doors moments if that's the right phrase when he beat convincingly so Jose Mourinho and Tottenham a few months ago and then this morning beating Diego Simeone who's at this stage of the competition every single year the true emergence it seems of uh, a future coaching great perhaps.
0: Yeah, that's right. Morning, guys. Heather must have, you must have drunk Red Bull once, so you can back the last now as well.
1: Yeah, for sure. And vodka.
3: <laughs> <laughs> if only there's a team called FC Vodka.
1: Yeah. There might be a list
3: There could be. You
1: never
0: uh, yeah, uh, very good. No, it's, uh, being 33 myself, it's actually an extraordinary thing to look at what Julian Nagelsmann has done. To not only have the poise, as I think you might have mentioned in your call, Simon, how he knocked back around Madrid a couple of years back because he said he wasn't ready to have that self-awareness, but also to have the focus and the ability to cut through the ranks in Germany, such a competitive nation at such a young age, he must be an absolute genius. And one thing I'm going to reprise today for the Office Sport app is an interview I did with David Zrillich during COVID. And Zrillich, the former soccer striker, spent some time at RB Leipzig um, a couple of years, actually, working in their youth team. And he talked about the influence that Ralph Ragnik, the sporting director who just left there, had over the entire coaching setup up um, and the way that he trained all these young managers to come through with a certain philosophy. But how much work Nagelsmann does, how dedicated he is, how meticulous he is, how outrageously visionary he is, um, and how he sets the, the way for everyone at the club. And Ragman's moved on now, and now Nagas and sort of at the helm setting the direction there. So um, the Mourinho thing was very symbolic. This win, getting them into the final four, you, you, if, you, if you need a change, evidence of changing of the guard, this is very much it. And um, I loved what you pointed out, H, on the show about how he broke down. Um, their, their right-hand side or left-hand side for Atletico and to be able to rattle the defensive maestros of Atletico shows that you really, really,
2: really know what you're doing. So looking ahead, obviously we've got this massive one tomorrow, Bayern and Barcelona. Dave, just just briefly summarise for us Barcelona. We, we mentioned before with Mark Schwartz the off-field issues that might see Setien sacked. But why yeah. is why is that the case? Isn't this meant to be the biggest club in world football, just about? And for the neutral looking at this, they'll say, well, how is there a crisis? You've got Lionel Messi scoring amazing goals, an amazing front three. You know, they were second, which admittedly is not great in La Liga, but they were still there thereabouts. It can't be that bad.
0: And the thing is, it all seems to settle around. There's huge politics. There's always boardroom politics that has an influence in, in, uh, at Barcelona. The, the second thing is, basically, is Lionel Messi happy? And that's ultimately what it comes down to. And uh, Ernesto Valverde paid the price for never really convincing that he could play the expressive, wonderful style of football that Barcelona is renowned for. Um, if you watch them, they, they were sometimes an in individual level they were fantastic, but they never played, you know, the style of Guardiola or even Luis Enrique. Uh, going back uh, back a bit further, so you look at Setien, who was really thrown to the wolves. I mean, he's basically, he basically made his name for himself at Betis between two thousand seven and nineteen didn't achieve a huge amount. So he's coming because he is a you know, an aesthetic a coach who believes in a pleas- aesthetically pleasing football. But he's never managed let alone played, let alone managed with the types of egos he is managing in the dressing room right now. And it looks like from the outside in, it's absolutely devoured him. So um, second in La Liga to Real Madrid for any neutral having a look at this game tomorrow is not good enough, particularly when you've surrendered the league. And if Messi is not happy, you are so expendable, even if you've only been at the club for six months. So with the likes of Xavi uh, lurking in the wings and with the world football's tendency recently to look to local heroes to, to salvage that, oh, geez, it's hard seeing Setien walking out of the dugout for the first game of the next season, unless Barcelona not only beat Bayern Munich, but win the whole damn thing.
2: Well, Barcelona almost started that trend of local heroes with Guardiola, didn't they? Heather, how, is, how much is it crucial, given that they've seen the narrative this week is about, oh, it's all messy at Barcelona. If you're Antoine Griezmann, if you're Luis Suarez, you're saying, no, no, I'm going to make this about me. I'm going to stand up on this stage. They have to, don't they, if Barca have any chance?
1: Yeah, most definitely. I think Griezmann was nowhere to be seen in the last game and then uh, Suarez obviously took the penalty. Um, but when you've got a player like Messi, and obviously Dave's just said how he's basically dictating whether he likes the coach or not, then there's an issue as it is. And um, I think when it comes to Barcelona, is whatever manager they do bring in um, similar to Juventus um, that's brought Perlo in um, recently is you need to bring a, a manager in and that you don't necessarily have to have the tactics similar to Knucklesman um, for Leipzig but I think it's really important for these players is to be able to manage these players manage expectations and just allow them to go out and play at the moment I don't think Griezmann's playing at his best uh, Suarez is sort of just lurking around and allowing Messi to run this sh- run the show so for for the next match, uh, especially in a big match against Bayern, it, it's so important for all these players to, to really strut their stuff. And you don't see them playing off of the, each other. You see them playing individually um, and ind- individual brilliance of, of Messi. So I think it's vitally important for next game. And, and the manager, who knows who the manager is going to be? I guess just ask Leo Messi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
3: I think there's actually... this. Another fundamental problem that's probably not been touched upon an awful lot. And that is, if you look at the spine of the Barcelona team, the first yeah. team, you got Gerard Piquet, who's 33. you got Ivan Rakitic, who clearly wants out, or, or they want him out because he's getting towards the end of his time. Not necessarily the most popular. You've got Luis Suarez, who's been linked very strongly with um, uh, a move to the MLS uh, and hasn't scored an away Champions League goal in something like... 80 games or something mm-hmm. like that. Really interesting stats. And then you've got the, the messy conundrum. Yes, he's the best player in the world. Nobody disputes that. He's a freak. But he's 33 as well. So, you know, with the best will in the world, he's not going to get any better. I mean, he doesn't need to, let's be honest. But, you know, you, you've you got four or five very key players in that team that are all getting pretty old together at the same time. That's a problem.
0: Because yeah, you've got to replace thing. Their recruitment has been diabolical, hasn't it, Simon? And that's also in the backdrop of all these coaches being churned through. Well, none of them's actually been able to take the bull by the horns and actually rebuild the club, so to speak, because of all the sort of glamour signings and the political signings in the background, of which Griezmann, Coutinho, uh, Dembele, Headline, all of those. Um, if you do a list of all the money that basically Barca spent since they signed Neymar, it is actually catastrophic. So and uh, and Valverde are the ones that have become the scapegoats and the easy talking points, but they've got massive problems in terms of, you know, they could, when when the short-term plan runs out, um, they better hope their academy is still pumping out more players than they have been in recent years. Probably will do, a, let's a be football. honest.
3: <laughs> Probably will do, let's be fair. Well, I time. hope so,
0: I hope so. <laughs> There'll be what, some gem in
3: Barcelona. Rick, Ricky Pudge <laughs> yep. is the next big thing. He's, watch out
2: for You're that. You're going with Pudge? Butch. That's apparently that's how they say. It. Okay. I trust that's the like, commentator. Absolutely. Thank yeah. Budge. Yeah, sounds good. Uh, Dave, you you're say? 33. Maybe you can have a crack. 33 is <laughs> uh, the golden age. Maybe you can be Bass's next boss. You're a tactical <laughs> maestro, surely.
0: Yeah. Rich, My resignation's coming in an email. I've had a I've had a sea change. COVID. Um, I've decided to try something different. I'm going to go knock on the door somewhere. i to walk down to Moor Park and knock on Steve Corrigan's door. See if he'll have me in. <laughs>
2: When you realise you've been in track pants for a good six months, yeah, maybe it is time for a change. Sure, that's my favourite <laughs> thing about COVID, track pants generally. Uh, Dave, uh, thanks for your company as always. We'll catch up with you tomorrow. Take care, guys. See you. Dave. See ya. We've almost given uh, Bayern very little love, but uh, they're just a steamroller, aren't they, H? They're, they're very impressive. You know, they're different to Barca because whilst they have a talisman in Robert Lewandowski, his success comes on the back of what everybody else does. So uh, how, how good would it be, do you think, uh, for Bayern to win the tournament? Simon mentioned it before. You know, they save football, if you will, against the uh, the big rich owners, uh, of course, because Bayern Munich are poor. Um, do you think they'd be a worthy winner based on what we've seen so far?
1: Yeah, there is obviously money plays a huge part in, in football clubs these days and, and we know that for sure, especially here in Australia as well. Um, but yeah, history plays a massive part and history just not only for the club but um, past players that have paved the way and, and current players as well. Uh, so it'd be great to see and play but yeah, I, I just, I, I can't see many faults with, within their team. They are playing beautiful football, they play um, progressive, possession-based football. But the thing that I like about them is they're so dynamic. Um, and uh, we talked about it last game and, and the athleticism all around the park and the speed of play, which I think is really, really different, um, which I think is going to get uh, Barcelona off, off guard because I think they were lucky in last game. Uh, it's just individual moments of brilliance from the man himself, Messi. So, yeah, look, that, they are quality and, yeah, they're, they're such a fantastic outfit that I can't see Barcelona getting over them.
3: I think we should also give uh, Hansi Fleck a lot of credit because he he only took over the gig, I think it was November last year. Niko Kovac was removed. They had a bit of a, I won't call it a horror run, but a a sticky run of results Mm. in the Bundesliga. Um,
2: and I don't think they've
3: lost a game since Not, Not since anyway.
2: lockdown They've won 18 yeah. straight Ridiculous. in all competitions And it's funny we talk about them being the saviors of the tournament When they're big old evil Bayern Munich They win every year like PSG do domestically, they win well, every single year lo- lovely, <laughs> lovely cuddly Uli honus. Indeed <laughs> <laughs> we'll see what uh, unfolds. Two mega clubs in action tomorrow morning, live on Optus Sport. Between now and then, 8 p.m. Eastern, you can tune in to Optus Sports Facebook or YouTube. We'll be live from Lisbon. Adriano Del Monte and Mark Schwartz are there, showing you what it's like on the ground. What we've seen from Mark so far on our socials and on the show is that pretty quiet he was outside Estadio uh, Jose Alvalade before the game and he said would anybody know there's a quarterfinal on <laughs> as we spoke about before it's a seriously unique tournament but it's worth checking out the show just to see what it's like your sense that a few more fans might just pop up when their teams go through if they do uh, Heather Garyo and Simon Hill uh, always a pleasure thanks, thanks Rich. Pleasure Thanks, us. Oh, thank you, H. That's very nice of you. <laughs> Good to see you both, guys. So, at the same place tomorrow, of course. We'll be here every match day on the Gagan Pod Match Day Edition. Between now and then, make sure you enjoy your football.